0: limitless range
1: welcome to episode 31 of limitless range podcast i am travis garner here with logan sella back back at it back like you never like we never left uh, we're back on zoom uh, for the next episode we should be back in person uh, but just with our schedules and everything going on, it was just easier for us to do Zoom. So, Sella, there has been some, uh, some recent controversy surrounding a certain tier list organized by the lovely people over at ESPN.
0: So, why don't you uh,
1: lead us into our first segment?
0: You're right, Travis. So, this has been pretty buzzworthy. Uh, this came out Tuesday, I believe, so it was an ESPN insider, uh, top 25 players under 25 in the NBA. So I think they, they surveyed, I think it was some scouts, executives. And I don't know if it was coaches or not, uh, but they compiled the list. And there was 25 players. Uh, at the top was Luka Doncic, number one, Zion, number two, Lamello, three, Donovan Mitchell, four, Jason Tatum, five. So I, I don't know, this is, it's a fun list to look at. I, I got the list in front of me. I don't have the original article, but it, it was a fun list. I, I think just because there's so many talented players under 25 and it's just fun to, to debate uh, everybody's kind of place in the hierarchy in the league. But and I don't, I don't think anybody can argue with Luca at the top, but I, I'm sure some, some people could.
1: Yeah. I figured you would be the one to make an argument for Luca at the top and say Zion should be at the top, but.
0: I think they're probably right there. I think it's close, but I think Luka might have him by a nose still. Just, I think his positional value, just because he's a, a point guard and he has the ball all the time, is, is just makes him just a little bit more valuable. Um, so then Tatum at five, De'Aaron Fox six, Ben Simmons at seven, and then Devin Booker all the way down at eight, I think was one a lot of people were upset about.
1: Yeah, I'm okay with Devin Booker at eight, honestly. Um, but the one that I think, the one that surprised me the most was Lamelo at three. I mean, he's there. It seemed. I mean, I know we've been high on him since he got in the league, but it seems like the rest of the league is pretty high on him too. Um, if they put him at three, because I mean, putting him above guys like Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, Ben Simmons. I mean, that's that's high praise.
0: Yeah, I mean, I. I don't know if this list was for just right now or it's more like projecting going forward like who would you have as your franchise centerpiece but yeah I mean I I think LaMelo is a stud I I don't know if there's anybody I mean I think I'd rather have him over Donovan Mitchell for sure going forward I think I'd definitely have him over De'Aaron Fox I definitely think I'd probably have him over Jason Tatum honestly I I mean I as a as a prospect I think he projects super duper high, which I think is probably has a lot to do with his ranking on this list.
1: Yeah. And like we've talked about before, like if, if I'm building a franchise, I mean, I'm picking LaMelo over pretty much anybody other than maybe Luca. Um, I'm, and I know a little bit controversial, but if I'm building a franchise, I'm taking LaMelo over Zion Um, because I just, I just love LaMelo's game. I love the way he plays. He plays with such a, a joy and love for the game that not a lot of people have. And, um, I mean, his ability to just see things in the back of his head that nobody else sees when it comes to passing. He's got a pretty good outside shot. His The only thing I don't like, is like I said before, is I don't like the hitch that's in his shot. His shot's a little interesting. But, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with him being that high, honestly.
0: So just keep going down a little further. Brandon Ingram at 11, John Morant all the way at 15. That seems kind of low to me.
1: I'm not super high on John Morant. Like, I think – like, yeah, he's – I definitely think he should probably at least be top 12. Um, Like, I'd probably put John Morant over Jamal Murray. Um, I'd probably put him – I'd probably put him over Brandon Ingram. Uh, just – I don't know. I can kind of see where they're coming from on this because he really, if I remember correctly, hasn't taken a huge step up from his rookie season. I could look, but
0: um, let me see. I got it pulled up right now. So, he's averaging 19 points per uh, just under – I'm sorry, just under three-and-a-half rebounds, uh, just under seven-and-a-half assists. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's a pretty – Similar profile from last year. He hasn't shot the ball very well this year. His three-point numbers have actually gone down. He's only shoot He only shoots it at 27% from three. Uh, but I don't know. I think he's a stud. I really I like his game. He's uber athletic, and, and you know he's a competitive guy. I think he's he wants to take on the biggest assignment he can. He wants to run the team at the point, and he's a leader. I I really like John Moran. I I feel like I'd happily take him over. Uh, Guys in front of him like Michael Porter Jr. Or I don't know. Shea Gil. I like Shea Gilgis Alexander, but I think, I'd, I think I'd rather have John Moran. I, I really like John. He's just kind of buried in Memphis. And Memphis is just kind of NBA Siberia right now.
1: I personally would take him over. Uh, I personally would take MPJ over him because I love Michael Porter Jr. <clears throat> He's showing us right now why he was the projected number one pick in that draft. At it for a short period of time um, but the back injuries obviously kind of derailed that but if there's anybody else on here that I that I think should be higher um, I think Alonzo should be higher I mean I would take I would take Lonzo over Halliburton. this is gonna be really controversial. <laughs> um, if I'm if I want a point guard that is a willing passer and does what the team needs him to do, I'm taking – I want Lonzo over
0: Trey Young. Trey Young was 16 on this list. I, You know, I'm excited to see it because it, it looks like Atlanta's going to make the playoffs. I want to see what Trey Young looks like in a playoff game just because, you know, the whistle might tighten up on him a little bit and, you know, teams are going to have him scouted out. I think he could be a fun watch in the playoffs. I'm excited to see what he does.
1: I am too, I, I guess. It's just – my problem with Trey Young is he relies so heavily on getting foul calls. I mean, yeah, Luca does that too, to an extent, but Luca also has the ability to finish through contact and shoot a pull-up mid-range or shoot a step-back mid-range, step-back three. He has other ways to score that that rely on other things than just drawing fouls. And Trey Young just relies so heavily on drawing fouls. And I know he can – yeah, he can shoot and – He's not shooting at an incredibly efficient rate this year. I mean, he's at like 34, 35% from three, but he, he just relies so heavily on the foul shot. And it's, it's kind of annoying to watch if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah. He averages just under nine free throw attempts a game. He's just so little, I think, you know, might be kind of the thing in the playoffs that might hold him back unless he's really arrived you know just from a a shooting and skill standpoint but I don't know I I'm trying to think so I'm here's I think they have the top three right I'd go Luca Zion Lamelo. then after that I think four and five maybe Tatum and I I don't know I think Simmons and Booker is probably but would be five and six in some order I'm not super high on Donovan Mitchell I think he the Lack of efficiency, lack of efficiency, kind of scares me with him.
1: I'm not super high on Donovan Mitchell either. I mean, I don't think I ever have been. Uh, he just is kind of there. Like I'm not really like I don't I don't think I would put him. If I pull up the list here again, real quick. Um, I don't. What is what is he right now? He's um, number four. Yeah. I completely disagree with Donovan Mitchell being number four. If I'm being honest, I would, I'd take Jason Tatum over Donovan Mitchell. I'd take Ben Simmons over Donovan Mitchell. I'd take probably Bam Adebayo, Devin Booker, Shade Gilgis, Brandon Ingram. I mean, I'd take all these guys over, over Donovan Mitchell, if I'm being honest.
0: I think so too. I, I, I don't know. I, I, De'Aaron Fox seems kind of high to me, but I, I don't know. I am just out there in Sacramento and they're bad. So, you know, Doesn't really have a whole lot to work with around him. I guess him and Halliburton could be fun, fun pairing in the the next couple of years. But I don't know. I I think it. I think it's a pretty solid list. I definitely think they got the first couple right. I. I. I mean, obviously, I think I'd rather have a couple guys instead of Lamelo right now. But going forward, I think he's right up there with almost anybody as far as a prospect.
1: Yeah, um, <clears throat> okay, hot take incoming. You ready for it? Yep. All right, so this is what I would do in the top five. I would move Donovan Mitchell to six, move Jason Tatum up to four, and then put De'Aaron Fox at five.
0: So you are high on De'Aaron
1: Fox. I am because listen to these stats, all right? Mm-hmm. He is averaging. He's averaging almost 25 points per game this season on 40, 48% shooting 33 from three. So it could be a little better, but he's averaging seven over seven assists, one and a half steals. I mean, in 35 minutes a game. So he's averaging 25 on somewhat efficient shooting three and a half rebounds, seven assists, one and a half steals. I mean, he's, he's fast as heck he's the fastest dart in the league, probably mm-hmm. other than maybe Kira Lewis jr. Um, but, yeah, give me give me uh, De'Aaron Fox in the top five, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right on. I mean, he's super quick, and with the ball in his hands, he can get by anybody, it seems like. I don't know. I, I guess, you know, it's hard with these young guys because they're so young, but you kind of want to see it translate to winning, too. Uh, we'll see. I'd like to see him and Halliburton another couple of years together. That could be fun to see if they can piece something together down there in Sacramento.
1: I agree. I'd love to see Sacramento in the playoffs again. Um, but one more snub that I wanted to talk about, not only really a snub, but like at Colin Sexton at 25 is, is robbery to me. I mean, he, he's averaging 24 points a game, almost three rebounds, about four and a half assists, shooting 48% from the field, 36 from three, 82 from the line. I mean, I don't understand how you can have somebody averaging 25 a game and have them at 25 on the list oh, under people like Jared Allen or DeAndre Ayton or John Collins. That doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah, maybe. I Collins I, seems a little low, too. I, I, I think he's pretty good. Like, he's kind of an underrated player. I mean, Trey Young kind of gets the shine in Atlanta, but I think Collins might be just as – vital to their success.
1: I agree. I I, I think John Collins is, is valuable indeed, but uh, I I don't know. I just I feel like Collin Sexton should be higher. I mean I think putting Tyrese Halliburton over Colin Sexton is is a little much to me, honestly.
0: Yeah that's kind of a fun little debate just because they're they're kind of similar as players, you know, just the young guards uh, I don't know. I, I think Sexton kind kind of surprised me. I thought that him and Garland will, and Cleveland really wouldn't work together, but they kind of turned it around. They, they were kind of a tire fire last year. You know, I remember talking about them and, and we were like, wow, what is Cleveland doing? But it seems like they have a little bit going in the right direction now with him.
1: Yeah. Colin Sexton is just a score. I mean, sure, he averages four and a half assists a game or close to it, but Colin Sexton is not a playmaking guard. He is a scorer, and I feel kind of the same way about Darius Garland. I mean, Darius Garland is a better passer than Colin Sexton, but he's just he's a score-first type of guard. Yeah, Darius Garland's averaging six assists a game, so he's better. Um, but he's shooting forty percent from three as well. Seventeen points per game, forty percent from three, solid. Um, but yeah, the the list is uh the list is interesting. I just I think I would put De'Aaron Fox in the top five because I think he's they're kind of underrating him a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think so too. He's just kind of slept on just because he plays in itty bitty Sacramento, but. He has been a pretty good player, and the numbers reflect it for sure.
1: So that was some uh, some discussion of the recent controversial top twenty-five under twenty-five tier list by ESPN. Uh, sell anything to
0: add? Nope. I mean, I, I think it was it was a fun list. I mean, I, I I could see why people get up in arms. I mean, there's always. You know, with 25 guys, there's always going to be at least a couple that you think, huh, I, I wonder why they're so high or so low, or I think, oh, you know, these guys should be higher. But I definitely think they got the, the last – I think they got to the, the top of the list pretty rock solid.
1: It's, it's almost like uh, uh,
0: the,
1: the top – ESPN top 100 every year before the season. Mm-hmm. And everybody all up in arms because they put Zach Levine at 97 or something ridiculous like that. Um, but – that should, uh, that'll end off this segment. And coming up next on Limitless Range, we are going to just talk a little bit about some NBA playoff outlook. So we're going to take a look at the standings, look at what the playoff matchups would be if the season's ended today, and uh, talk a little bit about that. So stay tuned here on Limitless Range. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Limitless Range. We are back and better than ever. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. So if the season ended today, which we're getting more into that era of the season where we can kind of better predict the playoffs because we're getting kind of towards the the later half or the later quarter of the season. Um, So the top seed in the Eastern Conference is the 76ers. They are 20-5 at home. That's impressive. Wow. Um,
0: yeah, they've been lights out in their own building this year, definitely.
1: They just uh, won big
0: last night. against. Well, I think they were at OKC, but, yeah, they won big last night too.
1: Yep, I saw that. Um, and then, so, the top six seeds in the Eastern Conference are – Uh, The 76ers at one, the Brooklyn Nets at two, at three is the Milwaukee Bucks. The Hornets are the four seed. Wow. That's – I did not know that, honestly. That's impressive. Uh, The Hornets are the four seed. The five seed is the Hawks, and the six seed is the Heat. Um, And then seven, eight, nine, and ten is the play-in tournament, but that's Boston, New York, Indiana, and uh, Chicago. So – Anything that jumps out to you there, Sol?
0: Uh, I think there's a couple of potential first round series that could be kind of fun. I think, as it sits right now, Milwaukee and Miami at three and six, that'd be kind of fun. Uh, you know, a rematch from that series last year. You know, Miami knocked off the the one seed Bucks. I, I, I don't. I, Miami you know, it's kind of underachieved this year a little bit. And I think, you know, everybody kind of had a high bar for them after the finals last year. And they kind of, they had, they got hit with COVID hard at the start of the season, but if they, you know, get right for a couple of weeks and hero and Robinson, and those guys can, can shoot the ball. Well, I mean, I think they could give Milwaukee some problems. I think that'd be a real fun first round series.
1: I agree. I think, I think Milwaukee and, and Miami could be a really fun series. Um, It was last year in the bubble. I mean, that was an entertaining series, even though I think Miami. What? Did they win it four to one or four to two?
0: Might have been four one. I think it was four one.
1: I know they dispatched them pretty quickly. Hmm. Um, but another fun series that I'm seeing right now is Hornets Hawks. I think that would be a super entertaining
0: series. Um, yeah, that was the other one I was going to bring up. I think that'd be. I mean, that'd be really great if Lamelo was playing, but. That you know, Trey Young versus LaMelo, that signed me up for that, but you know, we're not going to see LaMelo again this year. But that would be fun. I mean, both teams like to run, score a ton of points. That'd be that'd be interesting. That'd be a good watch, I think, for sure. LaMelo versus Trey Young, (laughs) sign me up. I know, but we're not going to get it this year, man. Darn it. Hate to see it.
1: I know. I mean, well, they said LaMelo might be back, right? I thought he was done for the year. Last I heard, there there was a slight possibility that he would he would be able to come back before the end of the season.
0: Uh, but
1: I could be wrong. I remember I guess, hearing yeah, like,
0: – The season may not be over. He might be back from injuries, quote, sooner than expected. So, hmm. yeah. um, that would be, be awesome if he came back to the playoffs. That would be sweet. Um, I don't know. I think the, the plan could be interesting. I, I don't know – if any of those teams could, could you know, beat any of the top three seeds, you know, Brooklyn or Philly. But I don't know. I'd like to see what Chicago looks like with their new look with Levine playing so well and now Vucevic, um, you know. I. Sorry. Go ahead. Or to get the Knicks in there to have playoff basketball in Madison Square Garden would be awesome. But I don't think any one of those teams could really challenge Philadelphia or Brooklyn.
1: I don't think so either. And so the play-in tournament – I, I know we've talked about it before, but I don't I always forget how it works. So it's it's the the seven versus the eight seed, right? Mm-hmm. And then the nine versus the ten.
0: Well, the seven and eight seed play, and whoever wins that game is the seven seed. Okay. And the the loser of that game, uh, well, actually, then nine and ten play, right? Nine and ten play, and the winner of that gets to play the loser of the seven eight game to see who gets the eight seed.
1: Okay. Gotcha. So um, Celtics versus Knicks. Okay, so I want to talk about the Celtics real quick. If you miss the playoffs this year, what do you do if you're the Celtics? I mean – Let's say you miss the playoffs or you make the play-in tournament and you get get bounced in the play-in tournament or you get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. What do you do?
0: Um, I mean, I think you, you got to just try and find a way to retool. I think your core is Tatum and Brown for sure. Um, you know, I don't think you can really panic that much because those guys are, are really good and they're still so young. I, I think you really just have to try and retool. I mean, walk, Kemba Walker, I mean, that's going to be a hard contract to move, but you, know, you got to try and move off of him. Marcus Smart, I, I mean, he's a good player, but... I think you'd have to just open your eyes to see what else you could get. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, they're kind of stuck because Tatum mm-hmm. and Brown are so good that they, they won't be able to bottom out. Like you can't, you know, say, all right, we're going to retool and try and get a good couple picks, you know, but they're, they're not good enough to compete with Philly or Brooklyn either. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of stuck.
1: Yeah. I'm not really sure what they do. um The Kimball Walker experiment at point guard hasn't really worked out. Um, I mean, he hasn't been amazing, uh, but I think definitely changes need to be made if, uh, if you're Boston, if you miss the playoffs or something like that. Um, so you want to slide over to the Western Conference? Yeah, let's go out west. All right. So this is the outlook for the Western Conference. So the top six seeds, the Jazz are at number one. The Phoenix Suns are still sitting at that number two seed, and I'm just just mind blown that they are still just trucking away. Um, it's the Chris Paul effect though. And I looked at it the other day and I didn't realize really how, how much better teams got when Chris Paul was added. Uh, and the Suns are just following suit. Um, the Clippers are at three, the Nuggets are at four. Um, the Lakers at five and Portland at six. And then the Mavs are chilling at the seven seed. And then the eight seed is the Grizzlies. And then nine and
0: 10 is Spurs and Warriors. Um, Boy, there's a lot here just because, you know, the, the Lakers and Clippers, you know, we kind of think they're the two best teams, but there's a the three and five seeds. So, you know, just the, the, the whole conference is just kind of clustered together right now. I mean, Utah is going to have the one seed sewn up and it looks like Phoenix is going to be the two, but from three to about six is all kind of attainable right now. I think as it sits right now, Denver Lakers would probably be you know, a real, the, the marquee first round series, just because, you know, Denver with Aaron Gordon now, and we saw how good Murray and Jokic can play together last year in the playoffs. I mean, that'd be, that could be real interesting. And, and I mean, there's a couple series like that the, right now, Clippers Blazers in the first round uh, Phoenix and Dallas as a seven seed. I mean, I, the playing kind of makes it hard to project seven and eight, but I think that could be interesting too.
1: Yeah, Phoenix for some reason always has the the Dallas Mavericks number. They always they always have our number. I don't really know why, um, but I mean the Mavs. So let's say the Mavs are in the playing tournament. They're gonna face the Grizzlies in the first in the playing tournament, the first game. Um, honestly, give me the Mavs over the Grizzlies. Um, so they'll they'll take the seven seed, and then um, nine and ten will play. Um, and that's tough. I would take the Warriors over the Spurs, honestly. Um, and then it'd be Warriors versus, versus Grizzlies for the eight seed. Correct. Right. So I would take the Warriors probably.
0: I think so too. I think it'd be, it'd be fun to see Golden State get in just to see, you know, Steph do his thing for a couple more weeks in the playoffs, but I don't know. They just don't have the players and they're, they're young and, You know, as good as Wiseman is, he's just not ready yet. Draymond's taking a step back, and, you know, they just don't have the guys, but it'd be fun to see them get in and see Steph try and do his thing against Utah. That'd be pretty entertaining.
1: Yeah, I agree. There's, and there's also still a chance that the Mavs catch a six seed. I mean, it's, they're only one and a a
0: half back, only
1: one and a half games back of Mm of the seed. So there's still a chance. I mean, it, probably have to – you probably have to have Portland lose a couple and we get on a little bit of a win streak. But, um, yeah, there's still a chance that the Mavs can avoid the play-in tournament. But kind of hoping JJ Redick coming back maybe will will help us with our morale and our uh, our, our winning a little bit more. But, um, but yeah, the bottom of the conference, um, we didn't really talk about this for the Eastern Conference, but the Timberwolves, who have just been purchased by – Alex Rodriguez, former New York Yankee, has just per- has just purchased the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I mean, I feel like – I don't know how this is going to work out because I feel like if you look up terrible owner in the dictionary, there's going to be a picture of Alex Rodriguez.
0: What do you mean?
1: I, I don't know. I just – I, I, I always disliked Alex Rodriguez, even when he was playing – in in New York and uh, in Texas. I, I just always, I always wasn't a fan.
0: I loved him when he was with the Yankees. I I was, I was like a bandwagon Yankees fan. I was a kid. I loved him. He's, he's awesome as a baseball analyst too, by the way, he's really good on TV. I I don't know. It's kind of, it's weird just because I, like he has no association with Minnesota. Like he, I could, you know, he played in New York and then Texas or, or Seattle then Texas, then New York with none of which are even close to Minnesota, but, I don't know I see, I
1: if, if like maybe he had played for the twins at one point or something like that, or he like his, he lived in Minnesota with his, uh with his, his, his 10 wife, uh, Jennifer Lopez. Uh, but I don't know. That, that's just, that seems a little interesting to me.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's like, it would have been cool. It would have been I think he, he wanted to get him and a group wanted to get the Mets a shift. That would have been pretty weird just because, you know, playing from a team across town, but I don't know. It's exciting for the sport. I'm sure it's always, I think it's great that, you know, we're seeing more and more former players have a role with ownership. I'm sure LeBron will probably do the same thing when he retires. I, I, I think I've heard KD talk about it before, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's just kind of weird because I, nothing about A-Rod associates Minnesota with him. I, I don't know.
1: No, I, I don't think so either. And, um, I don't know. I kind of see LeBron as being like a, like a coach when he, when he uh, retires. i almost said when he graduates, when he retires. Um, But yeah. So you want to wrap up this segment? Yeah, I'm good here. All right. So that was some NBA playoff 2021 outlook prediction type stuff. Um, So look out for the Mavs uh, in the, in, in the playoffs, you know, uh, Western conference champions. Uh, but on that note we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk a little bit about the Mavs and it's going to be the world famous state of the Mavericks address you're not going to want to miss it got a fired up Mavericks fan here ready to drop some knowledge on y'all so hope y'all are ready for it stay tuned, have them in this range we will be right back
0: range. We are at just about the end of episode 31, and by now I think you all know what that means. It is time for the world-famous State of the Mavericks, address delivered by one Travis Gardner. Travis, the Dallas Mavericks, are now 29-22. and They are up to 7th in the West, as we just talked about in our last bit. They are winners of 7 of their last 8, Red Hot, they play the Spurs tonight. We're recording this on Sunday. Uh, they did lose to the Lowly Rockets this week, but that has been their lone stumble. They have been on a fire lately. Luca doing his thing. Uh, they have coming up San Antonio this week, then a Philadelphia, then Memphis, then New York. Travis, I'm sure you have a lot to talk about this week. The floor is yours.
1: Thank you, Sal. Love to hear it. All right, so let's talk about Mavericks, shall we? First thing I wanted to talk about was the Rockets game. Now, this was—if if I'm being honest—the score doesn't reflect how bad this game was. Uh, they only lost by nine, but this was far far and away the the Mavericks' worst overall game of the season. Uh, their defense was atrocious. They couldn't they couldn't guard a parked car. They couldn't hit their shots. The only bright spot that I that I saw from this game was KP because KP had I think like twenty three and eleven or something like that. But something that was frustrating for me as a fan, and frustr it was also frustrating for KP as he mentioned in interviews. I mean, he literally didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter. He was our hottest player. He had twenty three and eleven going into the fourth on pretty efficient shooting. He didn't even take a shot in the fourth quarter he was out there the whole fourth quarter he didn't take a shot he he got five tu- five total touches that whole fourth quarter um this is one fault that i think luca has to fix is being able to default to porzingis because they when porzingis is hot you need to you need to get him the ball and he did and he did a better he did a better job of that in the bucks game uh when porzingis got hot but I, people were kind of up in arms about the way Kristaps was talking about, you know, how he felt, but I don't blame him. I mean, if I'm hot, give me the ball. If I'm coming into the quarter shooting really efficient and have, tw- I have 23 points and then I just get iced in the fourth quarter. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Luca, when we're at a deficit in the fourth quarter, Luka kind of just tries to play this hero ball and he kind of gets tunnel vision and just starts jacking up, step back threes and, just trying to get us back into the game himself. And although he does do that sometimes he needs to learn that he, that he, can also default to Porzingis if he's having a good night.
0: Yeah. I think that's something I've kind of noticed, you know, just watching Mavs games with you or, or when they're on TV, I, I think Luca does that just a little too much. It's just, you know, try and do everything himself towards the end of the games, especially when they're trailing and need some baskets. Uh, but I mean, I you know obviously he needs the ball in his hands because he's so good and he, he he's so gifted. But I don't know. I think the Porzingis partnership is is usually really good with them. Porzingis is playing playing well. He's averaging almost twenty three points in the last twenty three points a night in the last ten games. He had a really good game against Milwaukee. It was twenty six and seventeen. So I mean, he's he's been playing well. He's been shooting the ball well too. So the
1: Bucks game. Uh, we ended up winning that one by, uh, I believe, 15. Um, might have to fact check me on that one, but the the real kicker in that game was the Maps defense. I mean, we just absolutely clamped up Milwaukee. People that normally are hitting shots for Milwaukee were not hitting shots. Uh, Chris Middleton shot six for 27 in that game, um, so he didn't have a good day. Um, and then Giannis was out, so that also helped. Uh, but Luca played out of his mind, almost had a triple double. Um, obviously, the double double for Porzingis, but um, that was a good game. I'm hoping we can, can we can continue it tonight when we we play the Spurs. I believe tonight, so I'm hoping we can continue that.
0: What does I feel like? You know, when I've watched, do you think you know is it, is it Luca just trying to do too much at the end of games, or is it you know kind of a reluctance from other guys like Kristaps? Or I mean, do you think it's you know, Luca not wanting to share the ball or it's just other guys, you know, don't want the ball themselves.
1: I think it's just Luca not really wanting to share the ball. Um, I, I think he's been in that, he's been in situations so many times where he, where he is the guy. And he knows that he's the only one who can get a bucket at the end of a game, which is fine. Like, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing that he's been in those situations, but, he needs to understand that he has that second star. He has that second player that he can default to if he needs a bucket. He can give it to Porzingis on the block and have him shoot a fadeaway, or he can give it to him on a pick and pop, or whatever. I mean, there's there's been so many instances where Kristaps will set up screen and pop out to the wing for a three and be wide open, and Luka will still just drive to the basket and look for a foul, which is which isn't a bad thing necessarily because we're still getting buckets, but you got to hit Porzingis on those, on those raps more. I mean, he's rapping, he's setting screens and popping out. You got, you got to give a dog a bone every once in a while. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, especially come playoff time Porzingis is going to have to be, he's going to have to play really well if, if they're going to, you know, put a scare in, in one of those top seeds or even in advance, I think, you know, just because Luka's going to get a ton of attention, no matter who they play, it's, it's going to be, if, if Chris can can exploit mismatches mismatches and and, and do some damage inside. Um, Here's a question for you. I'm, I'm, you know, just thinking about this. If I'm a Mavericks fan like you are, if if I'm looking for something in this last 15 games or so before the playoffs, and it's going to be something for the Mavs to be firing all all cylinders and for them to be arrow up in the playoffs, blank needs to happen like what can i look for these next couple weeks to say oh boy here come the maps
1: okay so i can give you two things if that's okay okay chris stops needs to be consistent and he has been lately but he needs to he needs to he needs to be a consistent 20 points 10 rebounds guy number two josh richardson needs to be better he needs to be better flat out and I know I've said on the podcast before that he's garbage, and I I will still stand by that he's garbage. Um, but he he just is so inconsistent. It's just it's mind boggling to me. And I know I've said on the podcast before that I think THJ is the most inconsistent player I've ever watched. But I lied. It's Josh Richardson. Let me just let me just give you a little insight into what I dealt with in these last few games. So Josh Richardson. In the game against the Bucks, he had 14 points. He shot six of 16 from the field, 0 of six from three. You you better be ready for this for this <laughs> game breaking stat line right here. <laughs> the Rocket, he played 29 minutes. Guess how many points he had.
0: Uh, did he score? He didn't get shut out, did he? No, he scored four. One, one point, one,
1: 29 minutes. He scored one point and the one point was a one of two on the free throw line. He shot all of nine from the field and all of six from three. Come on. jeez. And then in that same game, in that same game, Maxi Kleba didn't score either. You cannot consistently win. And consistently perform in the playoffs if two of your starters don't score.
0: I mean, it's it's hard to argue with you there. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's going to have to be, you know, just consistency. It's it's if they're going to you know upset somebody in the first first round in the playoffs, it's going to be because those guys had a good couple weeks shooting the ball. I feel like
1: it's unbelievable, like how bad he is on some nights. Like it's insane. Like and when he's bad. It's not like he just has a bad shooting night here and there. He he has stretches of like five to ten games. He couldn't shoot fish in a barrel. And, it's, and when he has games like this, everything is off. He's making errant passes. He's getting a lot of turnovers. He's not shooting well. He's not playing good defense. When he has these games, nothing is working for him. And it's really frustrating as a fan to – to look at the box score, especially in that Rockets game, and just see Luca like Luca thirty five, Kristaps twenty three, and then the rest the rest of the starting lineup six points, zero points, zero points like it's so frustrating. Like it's I, I can't even explain it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's you know that's going to have to be the thing is is who else is going to step up and play well? I mean, we kind of saw it. In the bubble last year, they had a couple of good games from Trey Burke. Uh, Kleba played pretty well in the playoffs. I thought, I mean, I think, you know, if they're going to take somebody to deep water, it's just going to be those other guys. And if they play well or not, I mean, they've, you know, we've seen this team is good enough. They've, they've changed, they've strung off a couple wins in a row. And, and Luca is just stratospheric. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think they could put a scare in Phoenix. I, or if they play Portland in the first round, I'm not sorry, not Portland. Or who's who's the team we saw, said was third right now? The Clippers? I mean, who knows what happens with a healthy Porzingis. I mean, we saw them last year really push the Clippers hard for, for big stretches with no Kristaps, and, you know, who knows? He's, he's a difference maker.
1: So let's talk about Chris Stops real quick. Let's talk about him. Okay. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Okay. And hopefully – by this point, we'll still be doing this podcast, so we can look back on this and see if I was correct. All right, Vegas will not be a maverick by the end of next season.
0: Really? Well, what's his contract situation like? Actually,
1: this, he's in his second year right now. He signed a he signed a, a five year. He signed a max, a five year, one hundred fifty eight mil max contract.
0: So he's in the second year of a five year deal. Yes. Um, so at the end of his contract,
1: he'll be – he's 25 right now. So, at the end of his contract, he'll be like 28.
0: Well, uh, boy, I, I don't know. I think. Do you think that's a good thing for the Mavericks or not a good thing? Because I, I think that would be a bad thing for the Mavs. It depends.
1: It depends on what we can get. Like, if Washington calls us up and says, hey, we'll give you Bradley Beal for Christoph Porzingis." I'm doing that 10 times out of 10 times. This is this is the this is my reasoning behind it. The the other day after the Rockets game, Christos was was clearly frustrated with the way things turned out, which rightfully so. I don't think anybody would blame him for that. But at no point during that did he say they asked him about it and he and he said I just think uh I just think it was the plays we were running. Uh, we were we weren't running any plays for me. We weren't when he and when he says we're not running any plays for me, he says he means give me the ball. And I mean, rightfully so to an extent, because he's, a, he's a absolutely a hot, very high caliber player. But if you ever watch a Mavs game, you'll next time you come over to my apartment to watch a Mavs game, I'll point it out to you. But every time Luca or Kristaps does something good in the game, they don't interact with each other. There's no interaction at all with, between them. Other than maybe the occasional fist bump, there's no getting hype for each other's plays. If Porzingis throws down a poster dunk, or Luca breaks somebody's ankles, or does a crazy step back from 35 feet, everybody else is celebrating, but Christops and Luca are on opposite
0: ends. Ooh, some friction in, the rela- friction in the relationship. Is that what you're telling me?
1: Yes. I don't. I, if I'm being honest, I don't think Luca and Christops like each other. I don't. I just don't think they do. I don't think their personalities mesh well together because Chris Stops thinks that he is that he should be the guy that he should be the number one option, and Luca obviously should be the number one option because he's otherworldly, an otherworldly talent. Um, but yeah, their personalities don't mesh well together. I think so. I think by the by the end of next season, don't be surprised if Chris Stops is no longer a Maverick.
0: Uh, Well, there's a lot there. So I I think, I don't know, I'm kind of torn on Kristaps because I think getting rid of him would be bad for the Mavericks because that would mean that something probably has gone wrong. Like that would mean Luca and Kristaps, their relationship isn't good. Or I I feel like moving Kristaps, you know, now would probably mean that something isn't right with your organization, that they're, you know, they're giving up on their Luca kristaps nucleus which I don't think would be great. But at the same time like I don't you know Christophs is brittle. He's had he's got quite the injury history. Like he's like you've been saying I don't know if he's really the most likable guy. There's been reports that him and his agent are kind of prickly and they're always his agent is his brother. Right. and You know there's there's you know been talked that he's just kind of a high maintenance guy. And, and you know I I don't know. I I think he's a great talent. I think he's he's a special big guy and there's not many of those, you know, those guys just don't grow on trees, but I think you're right. I think if there's a, a package out there and you could get another, you know, proven star player, I, I think you have to at least listen to it.
1: About this Kristaps situation. So in the post-game interviews after Houston game on whatever day that was, I can't remember a couple days ago during the Houston game, uh, a reporter asked Kristaps, what do you think is behind you not getting a lot of shots in the fourth quarter? And Porzingis paused for a good 15 seconds and just kind of like smirked. And he, Mm. and he said his answer and I quote, his answer was good question. It's the plays we were running. It's happened before also. End quote. So, clearly he's been frustrated in the past with coaching and play running and things of that nature. And he's been vocal about it. Um, But there's, there's not a lot of players in the league that would, that would be vocal about their displeasure with the plays that they're, that are being run and things like that. I mean, I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head, maybe like Jimmy Butler or, um, or somebody like that. But uh, I think Kristaps is, is kind of growing sour on the Mavs system and, the coaching and even Luca.
0: I could see it. I think, you know, that sounds more like a criticism of Carlisle. I think, you know, kind of him losing uh, Chris more than Luca losing Chris but I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe there is something there. I, I don't know. We'll see. So
1: this has been episode 31 of limitless range podcast. That was the state of the Mavericks address. Uh, fun episode today. I hope you guys will uh, have been enjoying the episodes. We're, we're, we're grinding, as the as the kids say nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. But tune in next week uh, on episode 32. Not sure what we're doing yet, but I'm sure it'll be very interesting and entertaining. So on that note, we're going to wrap it up. I am Travis Garner. Logan Solo. And thank you guys for listening to Limitless Range. And We will catch you guys next week. Peace.